0: bless us as we study your holy word tonight open galatians to us the gospel of freedom freedom from sin freedom to serve freedom to love in jesus name amen amen dating the letter to the galatians is not easy it all depends upon how you date the death of jesus in the ministry of paul Uh, And that determines how you date the writing of Galatians. Galatians is usually dated to about 50 to 55 AD, though dates as early as the late 40s and as late as the late 50s have been proposed. I tend to accept between 53 and 55 as being the most likely range. I actually prefer 53, but it's not that important that's close enough, given the 2,000 years that have passed since then. To help kind of facilitate that and place it within its context of Paul's life and ministry, I've included also a basic chronology of Paul's life, as you see listed in this handout. Uh, 5 AD to 31 AD, Paul is born, grows up in Tarsus, is educated by Gamaliel in Jerusalem, becomes a zealous member of the Pharisees. Assuming that uh, Paul, Jesus died in 30 AD is a nice round figure, then 33 would be uh, actively persecutes members of a new Jewish sect centered in Jerusalem that claims Jesus as Messiah, and there are scriptural references for those events. I could have included Acts of the Apostles as well, but I decided to include it from Paul's own words. 35 A.D. is converted on the road to Damascus and called to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. 38 A.D. Missionary activity in Arabia and Damascus. 38 A.D. Two weeks to visit in Jerusalem meets Peter and James, but not the larger church. 38 A.D. and following, missionary activity in Cilicia, Syria and Greece from uh, from the Antioch church. 50 A.D. he writes 1 Thessalonians. 51 A.D. The Galileo episode in Corinth, which we we'll read about in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, 51 A.D. Peter visit uh, visit to Antioch, 51 A.D. The Jerusalem Council, which we'll read about in Galatians, it's also found in the Acts of the Apostles. From 51 to 57 A.D., missionary activity in Asia Minor and Greece. Writes uh, Galatians, Philippians, Philemon, First and Second Corinthians, Colossians uh also second thessalonians i don't see realize don't understand how i left that one out 57 a.d writes romans from corinth 58 a.d arrives in jerusalem with the collection is arrested and imprisoned two years at caesarea 59 to 60 a.d sea journey to rome somewhere in that period didn't take that long but almost that long considering he was shipwrecked 60 to about 61 62 imprisonment at rome and uh, dictation of the pastoral epistle shortly shortly, not shortly, shortly before death. And death is hard to date depending upon what you accept in terms of tradition, because the scriptures do not record his death. We depend upon church tradition and early church fathers for that. If you believe the earliest and oldest and best church tradition, he was released from prison, went to Spain, France possibly England, back to Rome in late 60s, about 68 AD, was executed, arrested and executed, and just before his execution dictates the pastoral epistles. Um, That just is a basic chronology. Those dates are approximate. can go either way, a year or two, but that's about right. Um, So this is for your files and information keep that. I always like to give a short little rundown on where we get our uh, books in the New Testament from, the actual manuscript history, uh, support for our Bibles in English, and on the piece of paper that's entitled Manuscripts Which Contain Galatians. You'll see the first two listed are Papyrus 46 which can be dated between 200 A.D. and 100 A.D., somewhere either 200, which is the traditional date for it, or it has been redated around 100 A.D., 90 to 100 A.D., by a more recent scholar who I happen to agree with. I think Papyrus 46 dates to sometime in the late 90s or around 100. And it contains most of Paul's letters, but it's fragmented because critters have eaten off the sides and portions of each page. As a result, Galatians that it contains, you see listed here the verses. For example, at chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, chapter 1, verses 10 through chapter 2, verse 9, and 12 through 21, chapter 3, 2 through 29, chapter 4, 2 through 18, and verse 20 through chapter 5, verse 17. 5 verse 20 through 6 verse 8 and 10 through 18. So, you know, the vast majority of the verses in Galatians are found in Papyrus 46. And if Dr. Kim's redating of it is correct, then it dates to just a few decades after the writing of Galatians in 53. So that's really good. That's really very good in terms of of a manuscript resource. It's probably only four or five copy generations removed from the autograph at most if it's that early and that's really good. Papyrus 51 which dates around 400 AD contains a tiny percentage tiny portion just a few verses uh, from chapter one of, of Galatians. Our only complete copies our earliest complete copies come from Um, the earliest of them is the three that you see at the very top of this list under Uncial manuscripts, Sinaiticus, Alexandranus, and Vaticanus. And they date to between 350 and 400 A.D. And those three manuscripts in the Pauline letters are the most important complete copies of all of Paul's letters that we have. And when you put those three together with Papyrus 46 you have basically what most modern translations depend upon in translating Paul's letters into English. They use essentially an edited version, uh, a te- uh, um, critically edited together version that is based upon Papyrus 46, Papyrus 51, Sinaiticus Alexandrinus, and Vaticanus. But not just those, but you see there's a whole lot more here that are included. All of these are contain Galatians in full. And some of them are really interesting because they're diglots. A diglot is a dual language copy. So it'll contain it in Greek. Usually it's in Greek on one page and Latin on the other. And it follows parallel. But some diglots are actually written like interlinear. So you'll have the Greek line and the Latin line above it translating the Greek line. And there's one of those it's Uncial uh, G, which dates to the 800s A.D., and it's a Greek-Latin diaglot interlinear. And it also is an interesting manuscript because it is one of the few that actually has a divi- It's divided into the letters, and there's at the very end of it, it contains the title to the Laodiceans, but there's no actual letter. It just has it at the end. Like... If it were to continue, it would actually contain the letter to the Laodiceans. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's uncial G, and it's an important one for that reason and for several others. These Greek-Latin diglots are helpful because you can then, it helps you to, to translate, especially if there's any question as to meaning. You'll see that earlier on you have a text called the Alexandrian text. Later on, you have a text called the Byzantine text. Those are families of manuscripts. The earlier manuscripts are what most modern translations are based upon, including uh, the New American Standard Version, the New Revised Standard, the NIV. They're all based upon uh, uh, the earlier ones. Later manuscripts are based upon... I mean, the later manuscripts, the Byzantine manuscripts that exist, are what the King James is based upon, pretty much. The base for our modern Bibles, and I include the King James as a modern translation, because it's been translated within the last 400 years since the invention of movable type, our Bibles are based upon these manuscripts. Most really modern translations within the last century are based upon the earliest extant, earliest existing. And the older manuscripts, they only had access to these later ones that dated to the 900s and the 800s, and even ones that aren't listed here, the 1000s, the 1200s, the 1300s, they had these later manuscripts and they used them in the translation of the King James. So sometimes when you run across a difference between the King James and, let us say, the NAS or the NRSV or the NIV... Sometimes it's a translation difference due to the choice of the editor in terms of what he thinks or she thinks the translation ought to be into modern English, but sometimes it's due to textual differences, because the NRSV is based upon manuscripts that date between 50 and 300 years after the writing of the Letters of Paul. But the King James is based on manuscripts that date a thousand years after the writing of the letters of Paul, and during that thousand-year period of time, changes, additions crept into the manuscript text. So keep that in mind when you're reading various translations, that sometimes the differences are due to choices of meanings of words that have changed over the centuries in English, Sometimes it's due to the fact that we understand the languages better today than we did then. We, the understanding of Greek and Hebrew in the 21st century is superior to the understanding of Greek and Hebrew in the 1600s. And then but the most obvious reason is because you have different textual bases for uh, it, from which you're doing your translating. and that will make some differences. But they are tiny differences. As we looked at in the past, The differences between manuscripts that date from 1000 A.D. and manuscripts that date from 350 A.D. are very minimal, and none of those differences affect doctrine or the faith of the Church. It's usually the difference between, did it say, Lord Jesus Christ, or simply Jesus Christ. Okay. So, that's the manuscripts which contain Galatians handout. The most important of the handouts, however, is the basic outline of Galatians. And it would probably be helpful to have this in front of us or nearby or refer to it from time to time as we are reading our way through Galatians. This is a basic outline that I've put together that takes us through Galatians. You'll see I've broken it down into an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Justification by faith defended, which is, you know, Paul's gospel message, which is chapter 1, verse 10 through chapter 2, verse 21. Justification by faith explained, which is chapter 3, verse 1 through chapter 5, verse 1. Justification by faith applied in Christian living, which is chapter 5, verse 2 through chapter 6, verse 10. And then his personal signature, final exhortation and conclusion, which is chapter 6, verses 11 through 18 and of course I've broken each one of those sections down into various pieces, and so as we read through, we can reference those. Are there any questions?
1: In the NESB, it mentions that they're addressed to the Galatians in the north. Is there a difference between, cultural difference between the northern Galatians and the southern?
0: Galatia was a region of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and As to which region Galatians was written, we really do not know. It is often concluded that it was the northern Galatian region because church tradition tends to say that that was the area where Paul more than likely originally um, evangelized Galatia. But it didn't necessarily need to be that way, and there seems to be strong indication that he evangelized both north and south.
2: That's... MacArthur says, because neither Acts nor Galatians mentions any cities or people from northern Galatia, it is reasonable to believe that Paul addressed this epistle to churches located in the southern part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It varies on opinion. We do not know. He doesn't mention any churches in in the cities in the southern region. All he does is mention the churches of Galatia themselves.
2: And from a political sense, Galatia came to describe the entire Roman province, not merely the region inhabited by the ethnic Galatians.
0: Right. The Galatian ethnicity tended to reside in the northern portion of the region, but that actually was the name for the entire region, not just the people of Galatia. The Galatian people. The Galatian people, interestingly enough, are Scythians. Scythians are the ancestors of the Germanic people from whom descend the Germans, the Dutch, the French, the English, the
2: Celts.
0: Well, the Celts were before them. But yeah, the Celts are related to the Scythians as well. Uh, But that's an interesting note. They Backtracked into Asia Minor and settled in that region. So mm-hmm. we're talking about people who essentially are ethnically related to most of us here. Except for you, Bernie. <laughs> Your ancestors were in the Indus, Indus Valley region for the most part, in Africa. Okay. Any other questions? Don't want to belabor the textual issues. If any come up when we're reading through it, we'll take a look at them. Galatians is remarkably... Preserved in the earliest manuscripts. It is well preserved in papyrus 46. Its changes and its differences between the earliest manuscripts and the later manuscripts are fairly minor. There are no major problems in this textual transmission. So that's good news. That means that we can read through and be pretty pretty confident. I am pretty confident that what we are reading is what the Apostle wrote almost completely. There are some places in the New Testament where there's a lot of question as to whether or not the Apostle wrote this, or was a word here or there left out, or added in, or whatever in its transmission by hand to the centuries, but with Galatians we've done a pretty good job, and it's true for most of the Pauline letters, a really good job of getting back as early as we can to the autographs themselves. All right? So, that's just for your reference and help build faith a little bit in realizing that we can get right back to what the Apostle actually wrote. And that's important for the study of Scripture because if you know it's what the Apostle wrote, then it's less the opinion of copyists and translators. All right. Any final questions before we begin? Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Verse 1 and the first part of verse 2 in your email is the from line. From Paul at Apostle.com to Churches at Galatia.com and that is the from and to line in your email. From and to. Taking a look at this. Paul, an apostle. What is an apostle?
2: Directly talking about Christ, personally. That's actually a
0: disciple. Yes,
2: he's a leader of the church.
0: Now, disciples and apostles are often the same thing but not necessarily. Judas was a disciple. Was he an apostle? No. No. No, 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 no. No. What is an apostle? One who is sent. One who is sent. A sent one. Apostle. Apostolos. Someone who is sent. He identifies himself as an apostle. Now... (laughs) Is he one of the 12? No,
2: no.
0: Remember Judas killed himself, so in the Acts of the Apostles, they drew lots and selected a replacement, Matthias, who turned out to be a dud because you don't hear anything about him after that in the Bible. And I like to say, and some people like to say that while the disciples chose Matthias to replace Judas in the 12, God chose Paul. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, Jesus
2: chose him. He chose the other
0: eleven. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I tend to think that that's actually the case. God chose Paul, not Matthias. That's not Matthew. That's somebody different.
1: I, for some reason, I thought it had a teaching part of it, but it doesn't. What does it
0: say in, in Webster's?
1: It's uh, a Latin. It comes from um, the Greek apostolos, uh-huh. and it means uh, to send away, or one sent on a mission.
0: Now, the apostles had teaching functions. They were the teachers of the church. Their job was to teach that which Jesus had taught them. Their job was to establish the church, communicate the gospel, and Paul identifies himself as an apostle. So, the apostles are not just the twelve that we find in the gospels, or the eleven. It's anyone who was sent by God, selected, chosen by Jesus, and sent who has leadership and authority in the church.
2: That's that means you're an apostle? An apostle. Huh, I'm sorry? I said that means you're an apostle?
0: In a sense, in a very loose sense, yes. In the sense that my ministry in the ministry of all who are called to the representative ministry of the church is an apostolic ministry a ministry that is sent. The United Methodist Church practices an apostolic ministry in that our clergy are sent to the
2: churches, (coughs) not
0: called. called. In that respect, we're very apostolic. And there are other ways in which we are apostolic. That term has many meanings nowadays. But effectively speaking, biblically speaking, Paul uses the term both as an office of the church and as his own identity as one who is sent. And you see that right after the word apostolos. Sent neither from men, literally, anthropone, neither from men nor through the agency of men, or man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, Throughout the study to the Corinthians, we discovered that it was important to read between the lines with Paul because he says things for a reason. He's not just throwing that out there. Why is he finding it important here? After identifying himself as an apostle, he then says, "...not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead." Why was it important for him to make that qualification? Establish his authority. authority. Why does he need to establish his authority when he founded the Galatian churches? They already recognized him as being their leader, their founding pastor. They had respect for him. They understood that he had preached to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He founded them as their pastor why does he need to establish his authority in this way
2: do we have the same problem with the false teachers in Galatia that we did
0: Galatians is the letter in which we find out most clearly that he was being charged with being untrustworthy why he was being charged as being untrustworthy and why these people were doing it and it's the same people in many cases who were causing him trouble elsewhere and as we will find out it's fellow Christians (laughs) which has never failed Mm -hmm. now so he's presenting he's giving this qualification in defense of his identity as an apostle and therefore look at what he says not sent from men nor through the agency of man that tells you what they are saying about him
2: he didn't come from Jerusalem, so from the Jerusalem Council, so you can't believe, or the church in Jerusalem, so you can't believe him.
0: That's one possibility, but actually, based upon what we know they say about him, it's the opposite. They they were saying about Paul, look, we sent him. We yes he's an apostle but we authorized his ministry we taught him everything he knows and he's not telling you everything that he's supposed to tell you since we are the source of his authority we taught him and we sent him we know what he should have preached and if he didn't tell you people about circumcision then he didn't do his job and he did that for a reason trying to get your approval alright
2: says, we know everything he knows, but he doesn't know everything we know. <laughs> Essentially, or yes. He's,
3: he's not telling you everything he knows, he's trying
2: to hide it.
0: Trying to hide it to gain your approval. Because he doesn't think you'll convert if you guys got to give up some Telling flesh.
2: people what they want to hear. That's what
0: is being claimed about him. Look at it again. Not sent from men, nor through the agency of man. Means they were actually charging him with that. They were saying about him, look... Yes, he's an apostle, but we sent him. He's no big deal. In fact, we're a bigger deal because Jesus sent us. That's what James would say. And the brethren of James, following him, would say it too. They would say, we sent Paul, Jesus sends us. We sent Paul, his authority is based on our authority. We taught him everything he knows. So, look, he's not as important as we are. You should follow what we say. So, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, i.e. not from the Jerusalem church, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. In other words, my apostleship comes not from the church in Jerusalem, but from Jesus Christ himself. Bang. Which means... You won't listen to me. (laughs) Which means what they're saying about me is not true. He starts out with a defense. Immediately with a defense. Verses 3 through 5.
1: Susan, 1. Grace to you and the peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might rescue us from the present evil age in accord with the will of our God and Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.
0: Grace. Grace. We've covered this many times. We're going to cover it again. What does that wonderful word mean?
2: Unmerited favor.
0: Unmerited. Undeserved. Undeserved. Unearned. Mm -hmm. Favor. Mm Unearned. Un, un, un. <laughs> you can't do anything to earn it. You, can't, you certainly don't deserve it. You don't merit
2: it. If you're not entitled to it.
0: In fact, it's exactly the opposite of meriting, entitlement, earning, deserving. You receive it precisely because you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's I've, a free gift. It's a free gift. A, use a positive a positive translation a free gift is that what yours reads?
3: no that's, I learned that in math <laughs> yeah, ok good
0: because it's, it's true a free gift something that you definitely don't earn you don't deserve it's not justice it's largesse it's a gift grace to you and peace now we got lots of people calling for peace. But what does Paul mean here? What is meant in the New Testament? What did Jesus mean when he said, "Peace I leave with you; my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you." What does peace here in verse three of chapter one of Galatians, what does Paul mean when he says peace? The, againstness, I think
1: is how you it.
0: the end, the cessation of conflict with against, God. of with God, of againstness with God, and from God. God isn't against us and we are not going to be against God as a result and they're paired grace to you and peace unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor the free gift of God to you and peace the cessation, the end of againstness conflict warfare with God you're going to have that with God it's going to be ended there's no more division and God isn't against you so grace to you in peace and grace generates the peace grace from God generates the peace grace to you in peace From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And in three verses Paul states the sum total of the whole gospel brevity is brilliance and that's what we have here grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ now if we have grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who cares what other people are thinking or doing if we have grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow! Especially considering that this Lord Jesus Christ is the one who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. We've been set free. We've been rescued by Jesus according to the will of our God and Father. That's the gospel, right there. Jesus died for our sins to rescue us, to set us free, and we have grace and peace from him. He who died for us gives us unearned favor and ends the againstness that we have with God and God has with us for our sins.
2: The end. Yeah, thank you.
0: Just close it up there
2: and
1: quit. He's not famous for his brevity either. No, he's not. But in, <laughs> but
0: in three verses, he, he is brilliantly brief.
2: That's the cliff note <laughs> version.
0: It could be. The cliff note version of the entire gospel of Jesus Christ.
2: That's right. That is fantastic.
0: That is absolutely fantastic. It's worth committing to memory. It's so powerful. Unfortunately, for some reason, the church of Galatia has decided that that's not good enough. Paul states the gospel, the message that he proclaims, the core of the faith. He states it outright. And then he expresses his astonishment, his marvelment, his anguish at the fact that apparently this simple message, this three-verse message, this message of grace and peace, this message of the death of Jesus for our sins to set us free from this present evil age, this message is not good enough. They've got to add to it, which is the problem that the church has had ever since. This simple gospel is not enough.
2: Another gospel of Jesus Christ. There's another gospel, exactly. Or the
0: extended gospel. Which is not another gospel, he's going to say. Okay. Susan, number two, verses six through six and seven to begin with. I'll have you finish the paragraph, but do six and seven first.
3: I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who in his love and mercy called you to share the eternal life he gives through Christ. You are already following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all you are being fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ.
0: Now, now I want you to read that again. <laughs> read that again. Try to follow. I'm not trying to... Yeah, just, just <laughs> listen. <Say that>. Close. <laughs> I want everybody to close <laughs> your eyes and just listen to what Susan number two reads.
3: I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who in His love and mercy called you to share the eternal life he gives through Christ. You are already following a different way that pretends to be the good news but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ. It
1: makes sense if you don't try to follow your... <laughs> it makes a lot of
0: sense on its own. Now, here, here's the NRSV's rendering. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. <laughs> I just love your translation. <laughs> Missed it throughout Corinthians. I'm glad you're oh, back. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Reading it from the NAS. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him, who called you by the grace of Christ. We are called by the grace, in the grace, through the grace, the unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. We are called in, by, and through that which we do not deserve. We don't deserve to be called into this relationship, but we are. And these stupid Galatians... I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting, leaving him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. You're deserting him in favor of a different gospel. Which is really not another gospel. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Read the New King James, the whole paragraph. Verse, I
2: marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar except for trouble and yeah. pervert, you know. Substituted.
0: Read your verse 7, Susan 2. My
3: verse
2: 7? Yeah. That pretends to be the
3: good news, but it's not the good news at all.
0: Not that there is another gospel. Mm -hmm. Okay, keep going.
3: You are being fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ.
0: But there are some who are confusing you.
3: Who
2: trouble you.
0: And want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. Hmm... So they're coming in, and they are twisting, distorting, perverting the gospel of Jesus. They're coming in, and they're changing it, adjusting it, adding to it.
3: For their own benefit?
0: I mean, mm, I'm going to leave that one alone until we hit it because I think so. But that has shades of meaning to it. Okay. Depends on what you mean by benefit. Do we hear
2: the same thing in churches today?
0: We hear it all the time. Yes. through my head the whole time you're reading that. <laughs> yep. Another gospel of Jesus Christ. That's
2: right. <laughs> That's right. Not that there is another gospel. Not that
0: there is another gospel. I mean, he says you're being distorted, you're being led astray by another gospel, another good news. But there isn't another good news. They're coming in and they're perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, are they
4: talking about. Some of the other apostles, they talking about false...
0: There are some who trouble you. Now, who the some who trouble you are, he has yet to say.
4: Because in, the, in, in Second Corinthians, he actually I bad about some of the previous
0: apostles. He identifies those who oppose him as being messengers of Satan.
1: Yeah.
0: He doesn't actually quite say it that way here but he says something just as bad and he identifies who these people are specifically he calls them the brethren of James James the brother of the Lord who wasn't a disciple during the life of Jesus but converted after the death and resurrection of Jesus James yeah during Jesus' life on earth, but prior to the crucifixion and resurrection, his half-brother James thought that his brother was nuts. Crazy. So if that's the
4: case, if it's James and those people, then it's the Jews. It's the Jewish Christians.
1: But But the ones
4: that wanted to keep all the Jewish traditions and be Christian. Right. It's
0: those Jews who have become Christians and view Christianity as a denomination or sect of Judaism and not as a new religion altogether.
4: You? First you have to become a Jew to be a Christian.
0: That's right. Or if you become a Christian first, that's fine, but you then have to be a Jew to really be a Christian. It's like a when nice you gave the sermon about, about you have mm-hmm. to, the wives have to
4: cook kosher yes. and the men have to be circumscribed. If you really want to be a Christian, you've got to go
0: the whole boat. Which is precisely what we have here. That's precisely what we're going to see. It's the Christian community of Jerusalem that is Jewish first and Christian as their way of completing their Judaism. They worship the Messiah, who comes and completes it. All right. They worship
4: worshiping the old covenant and not the new covenant.
0: They are living by the old covenant. And the new covenant is nice and Jesus comes and completes the old covenant for us but we're still Jews and we're going to live by that old covenant. And you Gentiles who are coming in it's great you're coming in and yes you get in by grace but after that you better become a good Jew.
4: Is that technically what Messianic Jews are today? Yes.
0: Messianic Jews today are Jewish Christians to the fullest extent of the the uh, the brethren of James. In that respect. In that respect.
2: Circumcised
0: Christian. Yes, but we'll we'll come to that in a minute because he hasn't gotten yet to that point. Okay, verses eight and nine, Susan. Two.
3: Let God's curse fall on anyone, including myself, who preaches any other message than the one we told you about. Even if an angel comes down from heaven and preaches any other message, let him forever be cursed. I will say it again. If anyone preaches any other gospel than the one you welcome, let God's curse fall upon that person.
0: Now that's that's really close. Mm -hmm. Much closer than the first two verses there. (laughs) That's really close. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. Wow. If an angel from heaven comes down and proclaims to you a message other than the good news that we proclaimed, let that one be accursed.
3: Don't they call those demons?
0: Well, they become messengers of Satan then. But... Yes
4: it doesn't make any difference if it's an angel that comes down Yeah,
0: here. If it's Michael the archangel and he comes down and proclaims a message other than the one that we proclaim to you let him be accursed. Now that word accursed is a strange one. It's a nice word. It's a fun word. It's a word that we have trouble translating
4: <coughs>
0: into English. Anathema. Anathema. What does anathema mean? Accursed. Accursed. Yes, that's how. Against the theme. Uh, against the theme? That's <laughs> actually not bad. Not half bad. Anathema. What does anathema mean? Translations render it a curse. Yours was... That
3: which is laid up. I don't know which part are we talking about? Verse 8. Let God's curse fall on Let
0: is... God's curse fall on them.
4: Mine says let them be eternally condemned.
0: Eternally condemned. Other renderings or translations? My uh, strong said that which is laid up. That which is laid up.
2: One that is cursed by ecclesiastical authority.
0: That's what Webster said? That which is laid up is the literal translation of the Greek word. That which is anathema is that which is set aside and no longer used. And if God has set you aside and not going to use you anymore, That's that's pretty bad. But it has a very literal meaning in vernacular Greek, in the Usage of the day. And it literally means, in modern English, damned. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, um, the second translation, or uh, definition. definition, A ban or curse solemnly <coughs> pronounced by ecclesiastical authority and accompanied by excommunication.
4: Mm-hmm. So if I said it then that's...
0: Essentially, yes. Read your translation again for that word. Eternally condemned. Eternally condemned. condemned is uh, rooted in the older English word damned. Okay? And it literally means, I mean, to translate this literally, he said, but even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you let that one be damned yeah. as we've said before so say now, I now again if you didn't believe me before I don't want to repeat myself if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received let that one be damned well you can't get any harder than that. He even said, if it's the archangel Michael, essentially, if it's an angel from heaven, and he comes down and preaches a message other than the gospel that we proclaim to you, which you see here in verses 3, 4, and 5, let that one be cursed by God. Damned. Condemned. Accursed. We, our English translations have to make it Nicer. But it is so abrupt in Greek that the word damned is a better translation. Anathema is not used lightly. When something is laid up, set aside, not to be used, it's thrown in the junk heap. It's thrown away. It's wasted. It's sent off to the junkyard and not to be used. It's burned. But isn't it even more so It's trash. That?
4: Because it's not just, you know, in human terms, it's trashed by God. Precisely. It's which, not just, which makes it that much worse. It's not just we that are doing this; it's God who is doing this. And he, and he actually says it twice.
0: He says it twice, mm. in case you missed me. If you didn't believe it when I said it the first time, I mean, it's like they came across that, that word anathema, and they're stunned. And he knows they're not going to receive it, right? He knows they're going to go. Did he really write that? In case you didn't believe it when I told you the first time, I'm going to say it again. Let, the, let anyone who proclaims a message contrary to the one that I proclaimed before you before, you before let that <coughs> one be damned. So
4: he's basically telling them that because you're preaching or believing this alternative gospel, or this, that this, <coughs> is, this is where you're headed, this is what you're up against.
0: This is how bad it is. This is a perversion of the gospel. These dirty rats have come in and are proclaiming a message contrary to the gospel that we proclaimed, contrary to what you see in verses 3, 4, and 5, contrary to the message of Jesus in his death and resurrection for our sins and the grace and peace that that brings to us, they are preaching a message that will get you damned and they will be damned for doing it. And in so, case you didn't believe me, I'm saying it again, they will be damned.
4: So do, do, do the Mormons use this? Do they preach
0: from the same book? Sure. I mean, I know they have a second book. Well, yeah, they use the King James, actually. Oh. <laughs> so do they just skip over certain things like that? No, they, they interpret they re- it differently. They translate reinterpret it. They interpret it differently.
2: You know,
0: As I said on Sunday night, The scriptures themselves do not teach error, but people can teach error with the scriptures. There's no problem doing that. It can easily be done, and it's done every Sunday. Trust me.
4: How does it apply to somebody who, again, in modern times is a Messianic Jew? Because basically they're doing what he's
0: talking about. Well, now, if someone who is a Jew, who is not depending upon their Jewishness for their salvation, there's no problem. If they are a Christian... But, but they're still a Jew culturally. There's no issue there. Paul is not against being a Jew. <coughs> He's against about making Gentiles become Jews. He's opposed to that. Okay, so the fact some...
2: that works will get you into heaven.
0: Oh, yeah. As if being a Christian wasn't enough. You had to be a Jew too. Let the Gentiles be Gentiles and Christians. Let the Jews be Jews and Christians. There's no problem with that. So even if you practice the traditions and everything as well, as long as you believe
4: that your salvation is through Christ... Not just the traditions, you practice the traditions (coughs) because they are traditions. You like
0: them. There's nothing wrong with the Jewish traditions for our Jews, or even for people who want to adopt them, if it gives gives them a sense of of authenticity (coughs) in their religious life. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, just so long as you're not saying it's my living these traditions that either saves me or adds to my salvation or makes me more sanctified. That's a no-no. And that's what we're going to come up against here exactly. Because the Jewish Christians were saying to the Gentile Christians, you're saved, you're in, good, that's great, we're happy to have you. Now, let's complete the job and make you into Jews. Let's complete your salvation. Let's make you perfect. Let's sanctify you via good works. And they define good works as keeping the law, becoming Jews. Not eating pork, guys getting circumcised, women cooking kosher, and making clothing from single threads, and not planting your fields with multiple kinds of seeds, and making battlements on the top of your house to keep people from falling off if they're on your so roof. Not,
4: not pushing buttons on elevators.
0: Oh yeah, not pushing buttons not, on elevators not, on, not on the Sabbath not. day. Keeping the Sabbath day. No, now the principle out. behind Sabbath keeping is a good principle. Mm-hmm. And God established it for a reason. But it's when it takes over that Jesus had a problem with it. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, he said. Mm-hmm. And that is true for the
2: entire law. It's when you can't pick up your baby and carry him out of the dining room, but you've got to <laughs> ram the <laughs> stroller through the crowded dining room.
4: I would have had a problem with the elevator then. Yeah. <laughs> he would
0: have. He would have said, push the button! <laughs> but at any rate, Let's look again at this paragraph because I want to get going because we. it's almost time to quit. Let's finish the paragraph again. I want to go back and reread it and then we'll close it out for tonight because that's a good place to stop. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace, by the grace, through the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to change, transform, twist, distort. I still think pervert's the best translation Mm there. Pervert the gospel of Christ. And people who pervert things, we usually call them perverts. (laughs) But... Even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be damned. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be damned exclamation mark Mm -hmm. underlined in italics highlighted in bold print print. and he had to say it again in verse 9 he had to give verse 9 because obviously he knew that the statement would shock the living daylights out of them the people who've been coming along and perverting the gospel of christ have been saying oh this is the good stuff this is the whole message that paul whom we sent has not been giving you We're giving it to you now. Here's the whole message, friends. Here's what you got to do to really have it. And he is saying, uh-uh, they're perverts. They're perverting the gospel of Christ. And they're going to be cursed. God is going to get them. They're damned. They are going to be thrown on the trash heap of eternity. They're going to be condemned eternally. To use that translation he says it outright in saying anathema <whistles> that's tough friends it's as tough as Corinthians second Corinthians rendering that's tough and he means it Copyright by Dr. Gregory S. Neal, all
3: rights reserved. Visit us on the web at www.revneal.org.
0: That's www.revneal.org. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.